Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. Making Meaning is here to guide you along your path to make meaning in a way that makes sense for you. This week, I am joined by the one and only Cedric James. Cedric grew up in Fort Worth, Texas and pursued business marketing while he played football at TCU. He left college for a six-year stint in the NFL and afterwards returned to TCU to complete his undergraduate degree and his master's degree in higher education leadership. Cedric is passionate about his family, ministry, and community entrepreneurship. Cedric now spends his time serving as the Director of Student Engagement for the Neely School of Business, Institute for Entrepreneurship and Innovation, and sharing his powerful story of resilience with thousands of people across the country. Not only is Cedric professionally and personally remarkable, he is also one of my greatest mentors. I would not have found the community I did at TCU, nor have had the opportunities I've had post-graduation if it wasn't for him. I was lucky enough to stumble my way into a course with Cedric as the instructor, and my life absolutely has been changed ever since. Not only has he changed my life professionally, but he has always been one of my biggest supporters in all of the work that I do. In today's episode, we discuss a lot about Cedric's journey and violence, drugs, and emotional struggles are very briefly mentioned, and it is not an in-depth discussion, but if those topics are difficult for you to hear about, please be advised. So let's take a deep breath and get started. Cedric, thank you so, so much for taking the time to be here and do this interview. I really appreciate it. Yes, the pleasure's mine, Reese. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Absolutely. So um, just to kick things off, I'm going to ask what's one thing you're grateful for right now? And I know there's plenty to be grateful for, but whatever the first thing that pops into your head is. That's a good question. What am I grateful for? Right now, what comes to me is I'm grateful for the ability to choose. Mm. There's a lot going on uh, with my family. There's a lot going on professional, uh, professionally. And even though things are, you know, sometimes may not be going the way that I want them to go, I have the ability to choose. And for example, I'm, I'm dealing with some things with um, my daughters. Um, and I am sitting back, um, allowing them to choose and realizing that I can choose how I want to respond. And um, I think I'm grateful that I get to choose um, how I get to respond and react to circumstances in my life. Mm. I bet that's hard. I'm speaking as someone who doesn't have kids and is not a parent, but <laughs> I, I bet that's a hard thing to realize is that you're letting your kids have that ability to choose now too, right? Now that they're 
almost adults and they are making these big life decisions. They are. And I have to remind myself that that is a huge part of growth. Yeah. And I have to let that happen. And, um, you know, we all make mistakes and I'm looking forward to dealing with the mistakes and, you know, the good and the bad that comes with that. So I just look at it as a growth opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Second question. Tell me your story. And this does not have to be super in-depth or in-detail, just whatever you feel called to share about your story right now. My story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a weighty <laughs> question to start off with. So I, I guess I want to start out with a phrase that I normally share when I have an opportunity to talk a little bit more about myself. And it's a phrase that I wrap up my life story. And it goes that I was bad enough for long enough, but I'm thankful I stayed strong enough until I became good enough. And totally reminds me of where I come from. It keeps me grounded. Um, Statistically, I'm not supposed to be doing what I'm doing today, Reese. Um, I come from a very um, rough part of town Um, here in Fort Worth. I was exposed to quite a bit as a young kid, Um, been through multiple divorces, was seeing them, um, being a part of that. No young kid um, should have to experience that and all the issues that come with it. I saw drugs, domestic violence, death, you name it. Um, Our own home was involved in a drive-by shooting and... I am thankful for the errors when it comes to statistics because mm. the data suggests that a young black male that grew up in the part of town that I was a part of, uh, grew up in, uh, will have lifelong issues. Yeah. And I'm thankful for the people that I allowed to, to come in my life um, through mentorship. Um, I'm the oldest of six children in my family, so everyone is watching me um, what is Cedric going to do next? Is he going to repeat this cycle of um, a lot of brokenness um, in our family history? And um, I wanted to do something different. And one of the things that really stuck with me is just wanting to aim for greatness in mm. everything that I do. Um, you know, mom introduced us to faith at a very young age, and that's played a major role in my life and uh, really influenced a, a lot of the decisions that, that I've made and am making um, today. Um, but in essence, um, I wanted to be great in everything um, I put my hands to, mm-hmm. uh, which led me to um, being very involved in athletics, sports, and I was just fascinated with just the nuances of any talent. Um, What makes you go from good to great? And that allowed me to really embrace athletics um, at a very young age, and um, that led me into high school and kind of making a name for myself in high school. I went to a very small high school um, after my parents divorced and um, I went to Kennedale School District, and um, no one in that school district had ever um, played football um, in college. 
um, at a Division One school, and I had the opportunity um, to be the first person out of that little small town, um, despite all the, the the negative comments and thoughts yeah. and just people saying, hey, it's never been done. Get yourself prepared for a Division Two school or yeah. a community college, which is nothing wrong with those institutions. Right. Um, I just wanted to aim for greatness. I, I really wanted to um, see what life could be like if I really... Um, if I really embrace the thought of just doing the best that I can and landing in that place, mm. um, the, the goals that I had in mind. So that led me here to TCU and um, on a full athletic scholarship and was by any means was not the great greatest athlete here. And But I just worked hard and mm. I was a great listener. Um, I was really fascinated again with what takes a person from being good to great? And yeah. I was just open to that type of information, which led me to have an opportunity, which was a huge shock to the world, <laughs> um, have an opportunity to play professional football, um, mm. leaving TCU. And that's I think I spend most of my time sharing that part of my life. Um, just what it took for me to overcome a lot of the obstacles and challenges um, to extend my career yeah. as an athlete into the National Football League. And by any means, once I got there, it was the same story. I was hurt a lot. I couldn't stay healthy. I, I There was just a lot of issues I was dealing with, and um, I did my best. And But one thing that stood out about me, Reese, uh, was that I was a great listener mm. and I always wanted to work with a spirit of excellence and I worked really, really hard. So, um, I, you know, I had a six year stint in the, the NFL, uh, nothing fancy by any means. And uh, which led me back to full circle here, um, kind of where things started for me here at TCU. Yeah. And I'm just excited to, to give back um, to, to our campus community and beyond. And I'm excited for my future. I know most would consider, you know, my age. I'm, I'm kind of getting towards that age of where um, I need to be thinking about retirement. But um, I think there's just so much life left mm. in me and so much more to give, so much more um, to do in regards of impact. And I'm just getting started. Yeah. Um, I had a great meeting last night with a professional um, speaker, motivational speaker, and I'm excited to put this team together to really um, take that business to the next level. Yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done. And so I'm just full. Uh, I'm just grateful for just all the people that's um, come across my path and really influenced and shaped my life. And and I, I can't believe I'm pinching myself, Reese, <laughs> just being here at TCU, doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Because um, I grew up just a few miles from here on a really rough part of town, never stepped foot on this campus. I, our family never really thought this was an option for right. us. Yeah. Never thought it was um, until I received my full scholarship. And now I'm here, not as a football coach, but as an educator. Yeah. And um, it, it really, um, it gives me chills to mm -hmm. think about that. But I'm grateful. I'm excited. A lot of work to be done. Um, and... Yeah. 
that's that that's that's my story in, I love in a it. nutshell. I love it. I really love how you your mindset about the work not being over, right? Because so often people are like, oh, you're hitting middle age and there's, you know, it's all downhill from here. But I've always looked at that and thought, but it's it's called middle age. You're only halfway through your journey, right? Mm. Like that second half isn't less important than the first half. You know, it's like there's still so much more time. Like you said, work to be done, things left to give impact you can make lessons to learn so I I really respect that outlook um I also want to ask you about um the piece of your story that you first shared was your phrase about how you were bad enough for long enough Mm -hmm. until you were strong enough to be good enough Mm what does strong enough look like where does that come from what constitutes being strong enough? <clears throat> what constitutes being strong enough, in my opinion, I think it's a mindset. Mm. It, it is a mindset. Um, as I mentioned, my family and I, we've been through a lot of brokenness. And um, broken people um, tend to stay broken. Their mindset is broken. Their mindset is fixed. Their mindset is narrow. And I'm thankful that I was able to kind of break out of, um, you know, what I was exposed to and really stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm. And it gave me a new perspective and it allowed me to escape this cycle of of just a lot of unfortunate things um, in, in our family. And it's really changed the trajectory of my family um, forever. So I would say mindset and I, I would say, and I mentioned faith has played a big role yeah. in, in, in my life and my family's life. And, um, I, I gained a lot of strength there. Mm. Um, I think we just can't totally rely on things that we see, um, for, for our strength. Um, it's the things that are unseen Yeah, and, um, and, and, and I guess what I want to say in that regard, and I know this is not a, a, a talk about faith. Um, I just, but that's absolutely a big part of it. We can 100% dive into that. <laughs> I just think if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm. And you, you need to find um, something to stand for. And yes, faith is a big part of uh, my household now. Um, I do have four children, and I do impress um, the importance of of having faith um, involved in their life, Um, because there are going to be times where a man or woman, humanity, can't solve their problem. Mm. They have to go to that quiet place and and rely on their faith um, to gain that inner strength that you were referring to earlier. So... Yeah, Christianity is, you know, what we practice, uh, but I teach my kids to, to challenge their faith. Mm. I, I, I'm not the, the, I don't like to use the word religion or religious. Um, I think that's where it caused a lot of division in the yeah. whole, I guess, faith 
um, umbrella is just the just the specifics people find they spend more time trying to poke holes in different religions as opposed to the way I look at it um, yes I am very committed to our faith um, but if you scrape it away at the end of the day it's no different than what I teach in my classes Mm. um, as it relates to you know human-centered design or life design it's a framework yeah it's tools yeah I'm teaching my kids tools they could use for when they run into a roadblock or a challenge or they get life knocks them down um they have tools to use yeah. and it's just a framework to live life by and um i, I try not to get into the nitty-gritty details of um uh, that you know people tend to get into mm-hmm. when it comes to faith sure it's a framework yeah so that's helped shaped um, who I am and where I've gained a lot of my strength. So that's what it looked like for me, developing my faith and really changing my mindset. I knew that I didn't have to be um, in a broke a, a cycle of brokenness right. for the rest of my life. I didn't have to have the same philosophy of money as my parents did or just relationships. As yeah. I mentioned, my parents went through two divorces and possibly a third here pretty soon. And I didn't want to get stuck in a certain mindset that this is the only way or the way it happens. It's no, I've stood on the shoulders of giants and I've seen further and it's, it's allowed me to really carve out a new path for our family. Yeah. What do you think was the moment when you realized that you could break out of the cycle, that you did have those other options that, with hard work, perseverance, this mindset, embracing faith to help you do that. What was that moment of awakening, I suppose? I don't know if that's a good word for it, but I I know for me, when you're young, you really live the way that life is modeled for you, right? And you, like you said, you see this cycle. When did you realize that you didn't have to continue along that cycle? Right. Athletics has played a major Mm. role in my life. And I think just me embracing um, the world of athletics has led me to some really um, significant people um, that poured into me, coaches, mentors. um, And I started to see success from my hard work. And um, I saw some things happen in my athletic career that typically don't happen for most athletes. And I thought I credit that to the advice, the counsel that I received from my mentors and my faith. So I started to realize that if I apply the same principles um, that I've learned in my faith to athletics and I'm seeing Mm. the results there, these can be life principles. Yeah. And I transfer that. Um, really, um, those principles in athletics to my life, and and now just teaching it to my kiddos, and and of course in the classroom today. So I would say, experiencing success early on in athletics as a young kid, the community started to um, acknowledge who I was, mm. and I'm like, I'm just a a poor skinny black kid from the (laughs) south side of Fort Worth running down a field with a football and these people were excited about me and I was you know published in um, newspapers and media Mm. in elementary school and I'm like this is pretty cool yeah and I was like 
this is an opportunity for me to keep this momentum and make my family proud. So what can I do, continue to do um, to experience this this great feeling, this acknowledgement? And um, I just wanted to make my family proud. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that thinking about your roots too, because I know this is something that I do in terms of like making your family proud, thinking about where you came from to be able to stand on the shoulders of giants right it's like the better you do the better credit you are to their work too right I'm like the more that I'm able to do with my life the more that I am able to almost say thank you to my parents Mm. in a weird way right and that's been very interesting to me um that's all I wanted to do is send a big thank you to my family Mm. um, for the good and the bad. Um, I've learned to (laughs) just accept everything that comes with just breathing and going through the journey. And um, I think the scars and all has helped shape who I am today. And I wouldn't change a thing going back into uh, my childhood I, I know life will be totally different for me today. So yeah. yeah, wanted to make them proud and say thank you for various reasons. And I want to continue to say thank you by continuing to do great yeah. work. That's uh, even thank you for the bad stuff, right? I was talking with my parents the other day and I was like, you know, because as you grow up and you get older and you realize your parents are human beings that also make mistakes and they can't be perfect parents. And I was like, but the, Things that went wrong for me, I think, imbued the parts of myself within me that I'm the most proud of now, right? Mm. It's like the hardest things that I went through also taught me to be the person, gave me the qualities that I'm the most proud to have now. And it's like, even though it's like you don't want to go through hardship, having that perspective has been really useful for me, especially as of late. So I'm like, I I agree. I concur. (laughs) Um, You also mentioned the importance of having something to stand for. Um, And please continue to talk about faith as much as that is a part of this as well. But if you had to boil down what you stand for, what would you say that is? What I stand for? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a weighty That's, question, too. So I'm like, yeah. don't feel like it has to be a perfect, polished answer. Well, and it's not going to be. Um, <laughs> Good. We're all a work in progress. Right. <laughs> what I stand for, I'm just thinking back the conversations that I have with my family of six now Mm -hmm. and I'm constantly impressing on them that the way to live forever is making a profound impact in this world while you're living Mm. and it's all about being selfless and finding a way to serve and I would say a big part of me of what I stand for is service to others and it's just hard to go wrong when you yeah. you are an empathetic scholar empathetic whatever um, empathy has helped me 
um, open doors um, that I never imagined that I would walk through. And yeah. it's just seeing things from someone else's perspective yeah. and finding a way to serve. So I stand for service to others and do this with a spirit of gratitude, not yeah. something that we have to do. It's something that you want to do. And going back to living forever, I think people are dying twice in the world today. And mm. that's when we bury you. And the second way you die is when no one thinks about you anymore. And I believe that we were designed to to die once. And that's to have a celebration of your life. And the way you continue to live forever is when people think about the the impact that you've made on the world while you were breathing. Yeah. So that's the mission that I'm on is I want to find ways to serve. And that's a big part of my, my work here um, at TCU. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's so interesting how empathy really is such a big part of that because I mean, teaching is service work, right? <laughs> like it is in service of others. So as an educator, right? Like you are in service and you have to have empathy for the process and the students and yourself as you're doing that. But also even your area of expertise, human-centered design, life design, all of that work starts with empathy. And life design itself starts with empathy for the self, right? And even when we apply human-centered design to creating an app, right? It still starts with empathy and that element that makes us all human, right? Um, what has developing empathy for yourself looked like for you? Empathy for myself, mm-hmm. what that looks like, it's really self-reflection, um, taking time to look back at just different events that are happening in my life, the, the relationships um, that I'm developing, and... Uh, and all the issues that come with right. just being here and taking responsibility uh, first and foremost of how can I improve? Mm. Um, I'm always, you know, inspecting myself. Um, and, and I think that gives me a chance to gain a little bit of empathy where I just kind of take back. Cause, you know, at the end of the day, Reese, you can't see a picture if you're always in the frame. So I try the best mm. I can myself to step outside of the frame, but also I'm not afraid to ask others yeah. um, their perspective um, on just me. And um, that helps me to learn a little bit more about myself and what I can do to become a, a better human being. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I love that. You can't see the picture if you're always in the frame. And it's so hard to step outside of our own frame, right? Like we are, this is kind of a dramatic way to say this, but <laughs> prisoners to mm. our own perspective. It's impossible to completely remove yourself from your own worldview. Like you are always going to see this world through your eyes, but doing as much as you can to try and remove yourself and become an objective observer I think is super important to being able to see yourself for the good and the bad and being able to impact the world as effectively as possible, not just in the way that you want to serve, but serving 
what what the need actually is, mm. right? Like that's where that real service comes in. Yeah, absolutely. I think another piece of that also that helps me, which is very different from me as opposed to a, a lot of my family, is being comfortable putting yourself in uncomfortable situations mm. or environments. And I've learned um, to be okay being the minority in in a space. And I don't always flock to what's comfortable. Yeah. I'm being around my culture or my people, that's where I only want to stay. No, I look for opportunities to be the different person in the room. And that helps me to learn more about myself as it relates to how are people responding to me. Mm. And if it's a good experience, I want to learn from it. If it's a bad experience, I want to learn from it. What can I do um, to make things better in those environments and situations? So I do spend a lot of time being in environments where, you know, I'm bringing diversity of thought and leadership and perspective. Mm -hmm. And um, it really is a great growth opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's why you're attracted to situations that do make you uncomfortable? Is that opportunity for learning? That is the motivation there? Yeah, I I would say so. That that is a huge motivation as, you know, everyone in the world is not going to see things the same. Yep. And you know, I can bring up politics, I can bring up faith, I can bring, everyone has different views on that. And of course, there's opposite ends of the spectrum um, on those different um, items. And if someone is doing something, saying something that is contrary to what I believe and how I feel, I don't immediately jump to judgment. Yeah. I jump to more curiosity. And that keeps me in learning mode. And um, that's why I love being in those spaces. Mm. And I really put myself in those environments where people are different and they think different. They look different. And I want to know their story and what has shaped their lives and their perspective. And I think if we spent more time that being empathetic human beings, um, I think we will have less issues and less of a lot of the the negativity that's going on in the world today. Um, If we would just be a little more empathetic, let's be more curious as opposed to judgment. Yeah. How do you, once again, speaking from personal experience, it's hard to stop that judgment, that train of thought, letting it run away from you because it's like someone says something that I'm like, you just so vehemently disagree with immediately your brain wants to go right to judgment. How do you stop yourself from going there and shift into curiosity in that moment? Great question. And I think it goes back to your very first question you asked me when I was grateful for Mm. our ability to choose. And I'm always reminded and I remind myself, we have the ability to choose at every given moment of our lives, even if it's a split second. hundred percent. And I would say I'm not an expert in a lot of things, but one thing that I'm good at is in situations like that. I do not allow my short-term emotions make long-term decisions for me. 
and I can totally shut down what's happening to me or how I'm feeling and think um, objectively about the, the situation and how can I get from this one place to the next place, one success to the next, um, in spite of how I'm feeling right now. So I, as much easier said than done, sure. but, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it's something that I've been able to do all of my life. And I think I credit a lot of that to, um, some of the success that yeah. I've experienced in my life, just not responding um, with judgment, being more curious and yeah, it's, it's, it's a skill set. It's tough, but it's something that's come almost natural for me. Yeah. 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 I love that. Well, and I would imagine that it's also um, a, a practice almost where it's like once you get used to doing it, you can pull on that skill and rely on it because um, something one of my mentors always says is practice makes permanent because it's like if you practice it again and again then it becomes muscle memory and it's like if this is a practice that you've had your entire life becomes second nature to fall back into curiosity instead of judgment yeah and i'll give you a quick example just in class um, a couple days ago um, i was in my life design course is the night class and i receive a call from my wife and she said our 10-year-old son has been missing for the last hour. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just starting class. So she called several times. I knew it was something important. So right. I stepped away, and that's what she told me. And I said, breathe. Mm-hmm. Let's just go through the steps of tracking what could possibly have happened. Right. And I gave her some direction, and I said, just call me. And let me know if we have any success after you've done these things. And if necessary, I'll stop what I'm doing here yeah. in class and I'll come straight home and we'll figure out what's going on with yeah. our son. And so I told our class that, hey, thanks thanks for being flexible with me. Sorry I had to take this call. It, I knew it was an emergency because my wife kept calling. And I told him that my 10-year-old son, it, which he normally, he walks home. So he's a walker and he walks about a mile to get home every day. Um, so that made it a little more, you know, frightening. Yeah. Um, because we, we don't know if anything had happened during right. his walk. But anyhow, I told the class that and it like sucked the air out of the room. Like, and I yeah. said, but we're going to stay on our agenda today. We're going to, this is what we're going to do. And I continue to talk about class as if nothing was going on at home. Right. So I was able to just push my feelings aside, mm-hmm. which it could be a lot of fear yeah. and concern and get back to the content and engaging our students, um, to give them a good experience. And thankfully, um, 30 minutes later, um, I received a text message of what had happened and we were able to find them um, at a, a, an event that we were not told about from the school and that's where he was at. And that's never happened to us. Our son would normally would be at home every sure. day. So, however, removing the emotion mm-hmm. and thinking, um, you know, solution-based, what, what can we do yeah. to find a solution? And that almost comes natural to me. And I don't know, it's worked, Um, you know, and I guess it balances my wife and I out because she's the type that would, 
yeah, yeah, she was losing it. <laughs> Understandably so. Um, that it almost sounds like my parents because my mom is a very, my mom's a trained therapist. So I'm like, emotions and feelings are her world, right? And my dad is such an analytical, logical person. And so anytime they butt heads, it's very much my dad saying, like, not don't have your feelings, but we need a solution. And my mom's like, I know we do, but I need to have my feelings too. (laughs) (laughs) Which they matter. and Right, but you can totally direct them towards, make them productive, right? Sure. No, 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 no. I, I get you. And I don't want to send a message that, Feelings does not matter. We, oh, we, yeah. It's a part of human nature. We need to acknowledge that. Um, I think that's another way of knowing is based off of how we feel, mm-hmm. and we should acknowledge that. Uh, but as you were kind of leading to, um, if you're going to make decisions or consider your feelings, make sure it's head, you're, you're headed towards something that could possibly be a solution yeah. or something positive as a something that could de- derail you. So, but, um, yeah, feelings matter by all means. Yeah. I'm um, just, for me, um, I'm able to be, um, I can separate the two pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Which is definitely an important skill set. Um, I want to round back to a couple things you mentioned earlier. One when you were talking about what you stand for and being in service of others, you said that it's important to make an impact while you're living. And then when you were talking about faith, you mentioned that it's really a framework for how we're living right now. And I love that outlook, right? Because um, it's so easy to either be looking at what's already happened and worrying about did I make the right choice did I make the right decision and it's also really easy to jump to the future and worry about what is going to happen how can I prepare for that as opposed to living in the moment right now and Mm. trying to think of what we're doing right here right now does that impact that you believe in leaving on the world and faith being a framework for how we're living right now does this is like a very personal question but i'm like does afterlife play into any of that at all or is your life philosophy really centered in this moment how we're living in this lifetime well yeah i i consider both um according to our faith there there is a, a strong emphasis on afterlife and i do share that with with my household you don't get to the afterlife until you're living, mm-hmm. you know, until you carry out what you're doing now. And that's what matters is, you know, how you're living um, and knowing why you're living. And that all boils down to what are you doing? What kind of decisions are you making every day? Yeah. What are you doing to, to make an impact on the world today? right now and it all relates everything that i've spoken about reese i could totally relate it to 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 our faith yeah and um just you know even the 
tools, the framework, service to others. And that's that's what we were told how Christ, uh, he lived his life, right. is service to others. So everything relates back to faith. I just don't have to present it in a package where it's all religious and uh, more anything. They're principles. They're principles. Yeah. And um, I want people to be open to the principles, the the mindset, the tools, and not get so caught up into the religious. Um, the label. Uh, the, the labels. And um, if anything, I just need you to stand for something. Mm. Don't be this walking, breathing corpse kind of just floating around through life and you're just bumping into things and that and that's just kind of what wherever the wind takes you. Yeah. Um I, I want you to be equipped. And if that looks different for you in terms of faith, so be it. Um I I am very, very open about Mm -hmm. um, sharing my faith. In fact, I spend a lot of time in that space um, traveling, um, sharing my testimony in those environments. uh, It means a lot to me. But at the end of the day, it's not about um, beating people over the head with a Bible and this is the way it should be done. What kind of tools do you have when you're in isolation and where I think that's the devil's playground? Um... When you're isolated and you're not feeling well, the world is beating you up. What tools do you have to work yourself out of of that situation? That's what I'm more curious about. I'm not curious if if you believe, you know, in Christ or uh, or whatever faith. What tools, skill sets do you have to help you? And then that at the end of the day, that leads into further conversations and and give me an opportunity to connect and develop relationships with people. Um, And I'm really into developing relationships. I think that's what we were um, called to do, born to do. We were not created to be in isolation. Um, Connecting with others on some level, I think is extremely important. And at the end of the day, I think um, impact, that's what it looks like for me, connecting with people and um, just having an opportunity to to learn from each other, to be be curious together and to empathize for each other and, um, and be willing to agree to disagree and everything would be totally fine. Yeah. (laughs) The sun will still rise. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I, and it's, yeah, I don't want to take this into, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, this world is just, it's, it it could be sad in some instances when you think of a lot of folks, if, we don't have the same philosophy. Right. We can't be in the same room. We can't interact with each other. It's just best that we live on two separate ends of the earth. Right. And it, it shouldn't be that way. It, it just shouldn't. Um, we need to find a way to, to be more curious as opposed to judgmental. Yeah. 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 And I think you're right on in what you said earlier that that would probably solve a lot of disagreements and issues because when you approach something with the mindset of learning and this it really is the best word for it curiosity like asking 
we talk about it, but why, why, and why again? Like, what is that root cause? What is underneath it? Then you can really start to unpack why does someone actually believe what they believe? Why do I believe what I believe? How do I make that impact a positive one instead of Mm. a negative one? Because I think we all leave an impact, but our job is what kind of impact do we want to leave, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, curiosity is a a huge deal and I don't think we can get enough of it or training on that. And so, and that's why I'm glad that you and I are, you know, we're on one accord there and mm-hmm. and we can just, you know, make positive small changes, if you will, um, yeah. doing our part um, with just doing that. But um, yeah, asking the right questions mm. um, is, is a huge component of, you know, just how I operate and deal with people. And I just really don't get caught up into... I'm talking about it could be something very blatant, Reese, that someone says or does that I wouldn't do in a million years. Right. What is this person's background? Mm. What have they been exposed to? I remember what I was exposed to as a child. I wonder what, what you know, what they have been exposed yeah. to and um, what their worldview and life you had was shaped before I start to jump into, um, okay, this person or making judgments. So I, I just, I love learning. That's all yeah. it is. It's yeah. like being a lifelong learner mm-hmm. and just the curiosity piece is yeah. really huge for me. Well, and it makes you a better steward of your relationships to other people and of service, right? If you're curious about what they actually need, what they're bringing to the table and where they're coming from and what really does make up their worldview, you're able to craft your approach to kind of suit each situation right you're so much better equipped when you are curious absolutely i'm like i'm all my wheels are turning as we're talking and i'm thinking about (laughs) different things um another thing that i wanted to ask you about so when we're talking about the type of impact that you leave on the world of course service is a really big theme for you um martin luther king jr has a quote that's Um, life's most pressing and urgent question is what are we doing to help others? Which I love because I do think that that is an extremely urgent and pressing question. And I, it sounds like, don't let me put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you would probably align with that statement as well, that it's really about how are we helping others? Um, But do you have any other pressing and urgent questions about life that, you're asking of yourself and of important people in your life? Yeah, what I would ask of myself, am I really maximizing um, my time, Mm. the gifts, the talents that I've been giving? Am I doing enough? And... That's what led to a conversation I had just last night with a professional motivational speaker. It's like I, I've been given a gift. I, by all means, I never saw myself as a public speaker. I am an introvert. 
Um, I thrive in quiet spaces. I am never the type to be the center of attention. I love being the guy behind the scenes doing the work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've been nudged all of my life to to say more, to be up front more. And um, I just had to feel the fear, Reese, and just find ways to to do that type of work. So, yeah, I'm going through training um, now. Um, it's been an ongoing pro- ongoing process the mm-hmm. last 10 years of my life. By any means, I'm not a professional, but I always wonder, am I doing enough with the talents that have been allotted to me? And I want to maximize my time here in terms of, 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 of impact. So s- speaking um, is, is one of those things. Um, mentorship is is another. Mm. I, I really have a heart for young men. And um, I, I think if our young men are, are trained a little bit better, um, I think it will solve a lot of the world's problems um, that, that we're seeing today. And so I spend a lot of time in that space helping young men um, to think differently uh, yeah. about themselves and their place in this world and really just equipping, equipping them with a, a framework, um, some tools. And so I guess the pressing question for me is that, yeah, am I doing enough? Am I going to avoid dying twice? When yeah. I die the first way, Will I die the second way when no one cares to think about you anymore? And I really, it, it would be frightening to me to even think a whole lot about that. Because yeah. at the end of the day, Reese, I want my great, great, great grandchildren to have my photo on their fireplace and say, this guy, he did some really cool things mm. and that really shaped and changed the trajectory of our family's yeah. history. And um I want to live forever in that regard. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the mission that I'm on. Yeah. So it almost sounds like if the question is, am I doing enough? You're living so that hopefully the answer is yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Do you think that you will ever have a definitive answer to that question? Is there ever a moment where you will be able to say yes, like I have done enough? Or do you think that, inherently that question calls you to keep doing more yeah i think yeah the the latter Mm. Um, we haven't done enough until we've taken our last breath Mm. race we have not Uh, i think we should always find ways to, to continue to grow even until our deathbed if i have an opportunity to say something to encourage someone to change their life just before I take my last breath, um, then I need to be prepared and um, acknowledge that that could be the case for me. There's an opportunity to make an impact in that moment. So I I think it's a lifelong quest um, and I'll never be able to say yes. I'm always going back to curious. Mm -hmm. What else could I be doing? There's always something else. There's always something else that I could be doing to to do more and not to, you know, a point to where I'm overburdening myself, but it could be just small, subtle ways. I'm always 
my body posture, how I'm responding, how I smile at people. I'm always looking for ways of how can I be more impactful, even mm. in just a small, subtle way. So it doesn't have to be be, be a big, huge projects of solving the world's problems with creating an organization right. of hundreds or thousands of people. It can be the smallest things. And I'm always... Um, I'm, I'm intentional about thinking mm. about that. And so, yes, I don't think the work is ever finished yeah. until we're finished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. One last question before I dive into my closing questions. Okay. So not one last question, <laughs> but if for people who are looking for something to stand for, right? Because you mentioned earlier that you think that everyone should have something and you can't just be this corpse, right? Walking around, going through the motions. That's no way to live. Um, It's not living. But someone hasn't really thought of how to craft their life intentionally to stand for something. What would be your advice for how to start thinking about living with something to stand for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I One thing that's worked for me and had a huge impact for me is being a part of community. Mm. And you can't develop, I shouldn't say you can't. I I don't think it's the greatest idea to um, develop your own way of thinking in a vacuum. I think it should always involve others. And for various reasons, one that's pressing in my mind is the accountability piece. Mm. If you say you stand for this, if you say this is how you're going to conduct yourself in this world, you need someone to hold you accountable for that. Yeah. So it takes a community to do that. So I would um, recommend an individual that's searching to not do that in a vacuum, mm. not sit in your room in a closet, develop your own philosophies, which, you know, it's great to research and do do all of those things, but find community somewhere and for at least the, the accountability piece. And that's what's really made a, a huge impact in my life is being in community of others that have similar philosophies, mm. similar mindsets, similar faith and we could hold each other accountable kindly. Yeah. And um, it's changed everything for me. It's changed everything. So I would recommend finding community, um, trying to find others of like-minded um, uh, mindsets and spending time there and see if you you all can con- continue to grow and develop um, in that space. And if you find that it's, that's not for you, Let's let's find another community. Um, but you need to be in community somewhere. Mm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think we were designed to be in isolation. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of my approach, even on faith. Yeah. Um, I, I don't beat people over the head with the Bible, and and I just walk out how I want to live and treat people the way I want to be treated, and that in itself. Um, 
causes a lot of people to be curious. You're like, what? what is his philosophy? Mm-hmm. What is, how, you know, and that gives me an opportunity just to kind of share my faith from my perspective. Right. Not to um, give you advice, but more just, uh, it can be more counsel. Just this is how I kept the guardrails up in my mm-hmm. life. And that gives me an opportunity to develop a relationship and possibly be in community with, with another person. Yeah. So. Well, and then, you become an active part of building your own community too, yeah. right? When you get to do that and you get to connect and make an impact on another person, your community is broadening. And I don't even know how to finish that sentence. I just yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Reese. <laughs> yeah, let's not do it in a vacuum. Yeah. Uh, others matter. And yeah. And um, if you really feel strongly about your beliefs and the way life should be lived um let's find a community let's see if you can develop a community um that will embrace that and um and really the accountability piece and really help grow the philosophy and the ways of living or however you want to classify um you know um your thoughts on just how to, how you should live life out. Yeah. So, but yeah, the community piece is big for me. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Okay. Last two questions sure. that we always round out with. One, in light of our conversation, everything we've talked about, is there anything you want to clarify, throw out there, add to anything at all? This is space and time for you without a question to add to anything if you would like to got it so i i believe and there's not much i want to clarify i guess just bring emphasis to uh there's going to be multiple audience audiences that listen to this Mm -hmm. and different backgrounds different beliefs different thought processes and and i go in my mind right now is thinking about um, the folks that may be very strong in faith mm-hmm. versus those that may not, may be opposed to, you know, the religious side sure. of things. And so I just want to, you know, clarify that, yes, I spend a lot of time teaching human-centered design, life design. That is not a faith-based course. Um, it's a course to um, help you think about the different phases of your life and really remind you that, um, you have control. You get to choose. You get to decide what is the next best thing. Mm. Now, for my folks that are on the faith side of, of of things, that doesn't discount the role that God plays in our life. Right. That um, we, we're not edging him out or I'm not um, with that way of thinking. I, I do believe that um, God gives us um, the ability to choose. And I know this goes into a philosophical debate, you know, predestination versus, you know, free will. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe we have free will and and I want us to exercise our faith, our our ability to make decisions and choose um, wisely. And Mm -hmm. I, I just think every decision we make has an impact on our life. So at the end of the day, I am a faith-based men that just believe in um, living life to the fullest and equipping yeah. people um, to to handle life 
um, on their terms with the tools that they have and the framework yeah. that they have, whether that's, you know, believing in Christ or, you know, other beliefs that are out there. And so um, I just say stay curious mm. and um, everything will be fine. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's always more to learn. And I love your perspective on faith being a framework because like you said earlier in our conversation, these are all principles that can be used in isolation from religion, right? And of course, there is a foundation there, but these principles are rooted in a lot of different things too, right? And so I think everyone, just like you said, based in faith or religion or a different religion or no religion at all can sure. draw inspiration and curiosity from different life principles. Absolutely. I think that's really powerful. Okay. Thank you. Very last question to kind of just put a bow on our time together over the last hour. What is one word to describe your state right now? Oh, chills just went down my back when <laughs> one word uh, what comes to me right now Reese is and I'll explain this mm-hmm. the word that comes to me is blessed mm. and I, I feel blessed by you uh, for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of my heart um, today I feel blessed by many other people in my life that's given me opportunities to do some of the things that I'm doing today. Of course, uh, as relates to my faith, I feel that God has given me favor to have an influence and impact. Um, I just feel blessed right now for various reasons, and I want others to feel the same. Mm. Yeah. There's nothing I I need to add to that. That's the perfect place to stop. So thank you, Cedric, so much again for your time and energy and for sharing your heart and expertise and experience. I really appreciate it. And I know that anyone who listens to this is going to, too. So thank you very much. Thank you, Riz. Thank you all so much for listening today. A huge thank you once again to Cedric for all he has done for me professionally and personally. If you want more of Cedric, head to his LinkedIn at Cedric James, and this is where you can contact him for any coaching or speaking inquiries. I would love for you to be a part of this conversation, so please share your thoughts on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or LinkedIn at The Cohere Collective. If you want to hear my thoughts about today's episode, head to thecoherecollective.com and click on blog. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can subscribe to our newsletter on thecoherecollective.com so you never miss another episode. Our website actually just launched a introductory workbook to some life design work, so if you subscribe to our email list, you will receive an intro workbook for free. If you feel so inclined, please leave an honest review or rating. I know that you probably hear this all the time from all of the creators you listen to, but 
it truly is the number one way to spread the word and help me reach people that want to hear my content, will resonate with this content, and that way build a community that can better help the world. Sharing the pod is also a really great way to start conversations with important people in your life. Thank you to Podington Bear for making meanings theme music and to Nicole Ostriker for making meanings art and podcast cover. You can contact Nicole through Instagram at Nicole O Creates. Right now, I am feeling... I'm going to take the words right out of Cedric's mouth. Blessed. I'm pretty sure that is the same one I used in the last episode, but perhaps that is just the state of mind I've been in recently. I think when difficulties happen or, you know, you hit some struggles, sometimes those are the greatest reminders of how much we still have to feel thankful for. Well, thank you so much for being here, and I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. Until next time, love.